Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I'm thrilled that you found me. There is power in the name of Jesus. As we journey together, we'll unleash discoveries of how to turn a heart of stone into one of moldable clay for the potter to transform. I hope you'll join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. Periodically, folks will delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. If you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, folks, today we're going to be looking at Nehemiah and the third group of exiles that returned from Babylon to Jerusalem. So let's get started. Nehemiah began his service as a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes in Persia. He faithfully served him as a cupbearer, and his duties primarily consisted of ensuring the king's food and drink was safe for consumption, that no one had slipped in and poisoned it or done anything uh, to the food to compromise it. And the Israelites were returning from Babylon Um, from the Babylonian exile, and this occurred in three different phases. The first one was in uh, 538 BC, where 50,000 or the lion's share of the exiles came back Uh, under King Cyrus. They returned with Zerubbabel, who was their Jewish leader. And over the course of 20 years, under Zerubbabel's leadership, the temple would be rebuilt and the work was halted and restarted again due to some of the struggles that they experienced, but it was eventually finished. And then in the year 458 BC, 2,000 men and their families under King Artaxerxes returned to their homeland and Ezra, the priest and scribe, would lead them. Ezra confronted the spiritual disobedience of the people that was occurring, and they repented and they established worship at the temple. But the walls surrounding Jerusalem at this time just lay in ruins. And then the third exile came when a a final small group returned in the year 445 BC, and the city was rebuilt and a spiritual awakening followed. The people would still struggle with disobedience. So I guess the question begs, how did the three waves of exiles return home? Well, Babylon had been a mighty nation that had destroyed Jerusalem at one point in time. And the people of Judah, which is the southern portion of Jerusalem or of Israel, had been carried into captivity and they became a defeated nation. So Persia became the new world power and foreign policy did allow captured exiles to return to their homelands. And have you ever caught yourself criticizing maybe government officials or any other local officials? Perhaps you see yourself doing a better job in your mind's eye. And yet, isn't it easy to be a so-called quote-unquote Monday morning quarterback? We analyze and critique problems of the world. 
ones in which we're far removed, yet there is a better way. Instead of stirring up discussion about specific situations, we need to be Jesus's hands and feet, jumping in to do something about the problems that we see. And this is what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah had asked his brother, Hananiah, and some other men who had just arrived from Judah about the Jews who had survived captivity and how things were going in Jerusalem. And he learned that the things were not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. So he was grieved, I mean, deeply grieved and disturbed to learn that there was no wall rebuilt at this time. And despite the exiles being in Jerusalem for many years, the walls of the city remained unrepaired. And this left the people really vulnerable and defenseless position. So upon hearing this news, Nehemiah sought permission from the Persian king to go to Jerusalem, and his request was granted. He arrived in Jerusalem after a three-month journey with the last grouping of exiles, and immediately he mobilized the people to begin work and rebuild the wall. He did face opposition right from the start. We learn how to persevere from the lessons taught to us through Nehemiah. And when we choose to honor God, projects that look too large in scope for us can be accomplished. We learn a lot about leadership and about organization. And let me ask you this, would you be willing to give up a comfortable life that you had built where you were able to exert influence, maybe not power, but you definitely had influence and you worked directly for the king? Well, that was the position that Nehemiah had found himself in. And, you know, he chose to return to his homeland because that was what was most important. And the homeland was really in a fractured state. And, and he still made the efforts to rebuild the wall. So while facing opposition from the men, Sanballat and Tobiah, they had attempted to halt the work with insults and ridicule, threats and sabotage. And some of the workers did become very fearful, but others were just plain tired at this point. And in response to the attacks, Nehemiah formulated a blueprint for success over his enemies. He first and foremost turned to prayer. He offered the men encouragement. He utilized utilized guard duty for the project where half of the men worked while the other half stood guard. And then he implemented a communication system utilizing a trumpet where if the men heard in an emergency the blow of the trumpet, they knew that this communique needed to be responded to. And There's no record that they had ever used the trumpet, but it was there just to relieve many of the anxieties and in case they did need it. But by being proactive and not reactive, Nehemiah was able to keep the project moving forward. And just like Nehemiah, we too can accomplish much for God's kingdom. We must first pray, persevere, and sacrifice our wants and needs for the greater good. And there was a time gap of 70 years from the time the first exiled Jews returned and were rebuilding the temple and, and then uh, the city walls being rebuilt. So again, that was about 70 years. And why were city walls important back then? Well, here's why. They were a representation of power, protection, and beauty for the city of Jerusalem. And additionally, the temple needed protection from possible attack. And God would place the vision to rebuild the walls in Nehemiah's heart. 
He would place his stamp of approval and blessing upon the project. So where can God utilize us to be builders within our world doing his work? When we pray, God will provide clarity, vision, and a desire to build the vision that he gives us. We can then mobilize others in support, putting it all together in an organized plan of action. Prayer is the beginning of all action. Both Nehemiah and Ezra relied upon this as a first-line offense and defense, and prayer is the solution to all problems. This is God's communication vehicle guiding us, preparing us, and rewarding us in our diligence of fulfilling His will. And Nehemiah was an excellent leader. By being spiritually ready, he was a force to not reckon with. He was ready to step up and be a servant for God. He was a man of tremendous faith. And being a leader means you need to be hardworking and give others the respect that they deserve and allow God to take the reins of leadership. What a leader is not is someone who manages others by fear, a placeholder merely for a position, or even a quote-unquote boss. And remember, effective dynamic leaders desire to see others elevated and lifted up. They want to help others achieve their dreams. Problems don't prevent great leaders from persisting and overcoming. God fully supported building the wall, but there was a caveat. The people needed more than Nehemiah to see a successful completion. They needed Ezra in turn, and he was the priest and scribe at the time, and he helped the people to rebuild their lives spiritually. Ezra was instrumental in instructing people on what the word of God had to say. And the people listened and recognized sin in their own lives. They admitted it and repented. And like these Israelites, the first step is to recognize our sin, followed by an admission, but we're not done yet. An additional step was needed and is still needed to this day for revival, which results in reform. And this can be achieved on an individual or a group level. Here corporately, the Israelites, with Ezra's help, removed sin from their lives and then filled the hole with God, moving him into the center of their lives. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to look at how Nehemiah used prayer. So after receiving the bad news about the state of Jerusalem's walls, he prayed to God and he just recognized God's holiness. And he asked basically for almost like a court hearing um, in front of the throne room of God. He confessed sin, asked for specific help in approaching the king to get the okay, And when he prayed that prayer and included God in his plans and his concerns, it actually prepared Nehemiah's heart. And then it gave God room to work within his life to help bring the plans into fruition. And so I would ask, how often do you pour out your heart to God? How often do we give him specific requests that we are hoping he'll answer? something to think about. And then another time that Nehemiah used prayer was during his conversation with the king when he approached him and was asking him if he could go help rebuild the walls and giving him specific time frames of how long he would be gone. And that's really where we can help God as well. And and then this accomplished putting the expected results into God's hands. 
And when we do that, we give God credit for what happens before it even happens. And it keeps us more from taking more credit than we should. So then we're really accountable to God. Another time Nehemiah used prayer was after being taunted and ridiculed by Tobiah and Sanballat. And because, you know, they were mocking God and Normally, under normal circumstances, someone's going to want to retaliate retaliate in that situation. But instead, Nehemiah went to God and said, they're mocking you, God. You decide what to do with them. And so that prayer really accomplished expressing Nehemiah's anger to God. But then it showed that Nehemiah didn't take the matter into his own hands. He turned it over to God. And just like I said, I mean, we're really prone to do exactly the opposite. We're prone in that situation to want to take the matters into our own hands and not even to tell God how we feel because we know how we feel, but it's best to share it with God. And after the threats of attack by by Nehemiah's enemies, you know, he still went back to God and he said, you know, God, that we as a people, we're in your hands and we'll keep our weapons handy in case you want us to use them, but they were fully relying upon God and they showed trust in God, even while taking all the necessary precautions. Now, trusting God does not mean that nothing and no action occurs, but it definitely, our prayers do show trust and faith in God. And it's how we respond to threats too. You know, we pray to God to strengthen us to make it through these excruciating situations. And it just shows Nehemiah was very reliant upon God for both his emotional and mental stability. And I think that's just such a great lesson about looking and turning to God when we're under pressure, because the normal reaction is not always to look towards God. And then Nehemiah reflected on the actions of his enemies, and he did ask God to deal with the enemies and their evil plans. He wanted them thwarted. And what his prayer accomplished by going to God and requesting that, it really took the compulsion away for revenge. And it did entrust that God is a God of justice. He is our vindicator. And then Nehemiah didn't have to really worry about anything. He just had to focus on the task at hand. And and then he could complete his project and not be distracted. And then lastly, Nehemiah uh, prayed to God, reflecting on his own efforts to serve God. He would say, remember me, God. And he would tell God what he did on behalf of God. And, you know, that accomplished keeping clear in Nehemiah's own mind, his own motives for what his actions were. And, you know, when when we stop and we think about our actions in response to, you know, is this to please God or is it to please ourself? You know, that's the old saying about there's only two choices on the shelf, either pleasing God or pleasing self. And this is how praying to God was keeping that clear for Nehemiah. So spiritual renewal begins oftentimes with one person's vision. And this is how the rebuilding of the wall began. And then, you know, it was shared with enthusiasm to others. And you've heard the term, you know, catch the vision. 
Well, when done right, that's exactly what happens with the help of the Holy Spirit. Other people catch the vision of a great idea and they want to jump in and actively participate and get involved. And families took on the responsibility for completing various sections of the walls and the gates. And many roads converged into Jerusalem from out of town. So the wall on each side of these heavy wooden gates was taller and thicker so soldiers could guard and defend the gates against attack. And sometimes two stone towers guarded the gates. And in times of peace, the city gates were hubs of activity. City council was held there. Shopkeepers sold items at the gate's entrance. And rebuilding the city walls and gates was not only a military initiative, but also a boost within Jerusalem's economy. So I hope that sheds some light on rebuilding the wall and uh, what Nehemiah's organization organizational blueprint look like. And friends, today, if you want to become a child of God and spend eternity in heaven, not somewhere else, then I invite you to pray this prayer of invitation to Jesus. Simply repeat, Lord Jesus, I repent and turn away from my sins. Come into my heart. I believe your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the sin of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you and get into a good Bible-based church to surround yourself with other believers. And let me be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision you've ever made. Congratulations and God bless you. Now, as you go out, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. That is Priest Aaron's benediction that comes straight out of the book of Numbers. Amen. The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk series airs on Wednesdays, so tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. Until next time, be blessed.